Day 161 of 365, the Bible Challenge with Abby Joy. Psalm 71, verse 19 to 24. Your righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even great, greater honour and comfort me once again. Then I will praise you with music on the harp, because you are faithful to your promises, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. I will shout for joy and sing your praises, for you have ransomed me. I will tell about your righteous deeds all day long, for everyone who tried to hurt me has been shamed and humiliated. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 to chapter 7 verse 19. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food programme. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephan, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, or Stephen, uh, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cecilia and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham and Mesopotamia 
before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you live now. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time, so when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. These patriarchs were jealous of their other brother, Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles, and God gave him favour before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfil his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defence and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelite would realise that God had sent him to rescue them. But they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled to the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him. 
I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded. Oh, I've so, I've so overread. <laughs> it's just too good. <laughs> okay. So. To be continued. Now back to, to Samuel. What's that? 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13, to chapter 16, verse 14. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, All Israel has joined Absalom in conspiring against you. Then we must flee at once or it will be too late, David urged his men. Hurry, if we get out of the city before Absalom arrived... Rives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisers replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and all his household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to look after the palace. The king and all his people set out on foot, pausing at the last house to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. There were six hundred men from Gath who had come with David, along with the king's bodyguard. Then the king turned and said to Itta, a leader of the men from Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us, I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kingsmen with me, with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Itta said to the king, I vow. By the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever where, wherever my Lord the King goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. David replied, All right, come with us. So Itta and all his men and their families went along. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. Then the king instructed Zadok to take the Ark of God back into the city. If the Lord sees fit, David said, he will bring me back to see the Ark and the tabernacle again. But if he is through with me, then let him do what he sees what seems best to him. The king also told Zadok the priest, Look, here is my plan. You and Abiathar should return quietly to the city with your son Ahizam, Ahimaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of the Covenant back to the city and stayed there. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning, and the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the hill. 
when someone told David that his advisor, Ahithophel, was now back, now backing Absalom, David prayed, O oh Lord, let Ahithophel give Absalom foolish advice. When David reached the summit of the Mount of Olives, where people worshipped God, Hushai, the archite, was waiting there for him. Hushai had torn his clothing and put dirt on his head as a sign of mourning. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be burden, only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor. O king, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Athiopel's advice. Sadok and Abiathar, the priests, will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace. And they will send their sons, Ahimaz and Jonathan, to tell me what is going on. So David's friend, Hushai, returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. When David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred clusters of raisins, a hundred bunches of summer fruit, and a wine skin full of wine. What are these for? the king asked Ziba. Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat, the wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, the king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather, Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May I always be pleasing to you, my lord, the king. As King David came to Bahurim, a man a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Jira, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zeruiah, demanded. Let me go over and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zeruiah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. <laughs>